Hey guys, I'm AP. And I'm your girl, Black Mamba. And we are the hosts of the Hate Journals, a weekly comedy podcast. We know we aren't the only ones that get annoyed by the daily grind. And lately, there's a lot to be annoyed about. And we get it. Join us each week as we roast and toast all the things that we love to hate. Nothing is off limits as we rant, rave, and laugh our way through our own experiences, current events, and so much more. So tune in weekly to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts or check us out on our website at thehatejournals.com. That's right, guys. Let us help you get you through your week every week with The Hate Journals Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Bye. Bye. everybody welcome to the first sunday of the month as promised the first sunday of every month we will have the match of the month and this will be the last match of the month for the year of 2020 and boy oh boy did we need to get out of this year i can't speak for you guys but i am over 2020 and even though all the problems that we have had in 2020 will not be gone um some will linger like COVID, um, it's still a new chapter, you know, and it's still things that we can control, some things we can't, but things will get better for sure, but this is definitely the last month of this, but so anyways, welcome to the first show of the month, um, I'm actually really excited, because I feel prepared, <laughs> um, I just remember just going back just going back a while ago, just when we were first doing the show, how so unprepared we were. And as I record this, every show that's a Wednesday show has been recorded. They're now I don't know if they're all uploaded yet, but they will be uploaded. So the Wednesday show, well, the Monday shows are weekly, so I have to do those. But the Wednesday shows, I think it's just great content to the point. Um, and and I'm really excited about it. Um, and so I just, I don't know, just uh, really looking forward to it. I had a hard time. The reason why I'm stalling is I was trying to think of the right words. But I had a hard time coming up with the match of the month. Because I, I, I hear I hear you guys. I do. I get the emails. I, I don't respond to anybody. I will if you guys want me to. But, like, I, I try like, to, to read what you guys are saying. And just absorb it all. Like when I'm listening to someone talk, I try to just absorb everything they're saying. And and I do agree. I think the first match of the month we did, which we've only done two. Um, the first match of the month we did had more of a story as opposed to the last month was about Kota Ibushi and Cedric. And that was more of a long-term thing. Like I said, we're still waiting for Wrestle Kingdom to see if his destiny will be fulfilled. Um, and he will become the new IWGP Heavyweight Champion, which I think is going to happen. 
Um, and so I agree. That, but that's the, that's the thing, though. I, I'm trying to remember what the old... Like, I have so many of the old fans here that I don't want to give you guys the same things over and over again. But when I decided to start fresh with this show, I erased all remnants of the past show. So I don't. I remember some of the matches. I remember doing the Unbreakable Three Way with TNA. Um, I don't recall. I bl- I rec- I think I did the Triple Threat match at WrestleMania 20. Like these are these are ones I remember off the top of my head. Um, and mainly because I got so much backlash from some people who just can't get over the Benoit thing, which is fine. But then there's other people who are like, yeah, that was. Like, some people can separate the art from the human being. Which is a whole nother show on to itself, um, and, and something I, I would love to talk about. You know, more when I have, I, I think in twenty twenty I'll try to have one or two people on. You know, um, not every week. It will be something like this every other month or something. But st- those are the type of topics I would love to talk about. You know, because I've had these conversations in private with people that I really respect, and they're like, they can, you know. And I don't know if that's a, but I've noticed a difference though. Like, example, when you send something out for beta, you need to send it out to people that aren't in your field, right? I remember there's a show called Silicon Valley, and it has moments. Um, but the guy, when he did beta testing on his on his app, he sent, he sent it to nothing but engineers, so he got thumbs up. But when it went out to the public, they didn't know how to use it because the average person isn't an engineer. I've noticed the people I've talked to have been creative people. And then one or two times I've talked to people who are not necessarily creative, they're like, nah, I don't get it. I'm like, huh. And I realized that's what it was. So I, I try to, so I've noticed that's a, just a thing with separating the artist from the human being. And does it make you less humane? I don't know. These are conversations I would love to have. But anyways, um, I didn't put the match in there because I want you efforts to listen to it. So... Um, enough with the stalling. We're gonna, we're gonna. I decided to give one more honor to Undertaker. I know some people are Undertaker out. I'm not even like he's not even in my top. Hmm. This is a good question. I still with this. He's not in my top ten for sure. He would probably be in my top twenty. If not, he would definitely be in my top twenty-five. He wouldn't be anything less than twenty-five. Um, I would need to actually sit down and write who. Who my top 25 wrestlers are. Um, but as of right now, I said he will be top 25. Oh, he's definitely not top 10, though. Because I have, I think that's the thing I've been so fortunate because I have been able to consume so much wrestling and know about wrestlers like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, people like that before they got famous. You know, like I just have a love for so many other people. But Undertaker, you know, he obviously deserves all the accolades he gets. It's amazing how his some of his best work came as he was a part-timer. Um, and I just decided to use this match because to me, the story building up to it was amazing. And he's, 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 he's the Undertaker's greatest foe, in my opinion. Um, but, but, but without this, but, but without the Undertaker, there is no this character. So let's just get into it. It's 1996 SummerSlam. Undertaker, Mankind, the first ever Boiler Room Brawl match. Um, and let's begin on 
I believe it's January 26th of 1996, is the first vignette of Mankind. And Mankind was playing with the rat. You had the music playing in the background. You didn't know who this character was. It, it was it was a freaky character. It was really weird. Um, at the time, I didn't know it was Cactus. I don't think I knew it was Cactus. Because he the first year, he rarely took that mask off. Or it rarely came off. I want to say I knew it was Cactus... Huh, let's think. I want to say it was May. And I'll tell you guys in a second why I believe that's what it was. I, it was confirmed in September, but May, I believe, is when it was. When it was January 26th, the first vignette for Mankind is played. These, these vignettes are played on Superstars, on Raw. I still love those Superstars. For me, they were like the ultimate getaway. When I say that, I mean, you had Saturday mornings, you had Saved by the Bell, you had, you had X-Men, the animated series, and then Superstars came off for that one hour. And even though Superstars was kind of just like a recap show, it, it just felt so special. You know, even when Sunday Night Heat first came out, it just felt special. Like, and Shotgun Saturday, and once again, we've been able to hear these shoot interviews about how hard these shows were to film at some point. But they were so special at, at the very beginning. Me as a wrestling fan, I couldn't get enough. I just couldn't get enough. And I think it was also because they were doing what AEW Dark does now. You were seeing so many people. Like, I was a huge Hunter Hearst Helmsley fan. So he wasn't on Raw every week because Raw was just an hour. So now you're seeing him get Tombstone on Down the Steps. <laughs> uh, not the Steps, but what's the thing called? Escalators. Uh, by The Undertaker. You know, and so it's just one of those things where you could see just talent like that. So I appreciate it. But as, let's get to April 1st. No, let's night before March 31st, WrestleMania. Undertaker has, Undertaker has a hellacious match with uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. They had a feud since January, since the Royal Rumble. Uh, finally came to a head. I thought they had a good match. Um... Yeah, I thought it was a good match. It was definitely a come up for uh, Undertaker the year before he was fighting King Kong Bundy. And it wasn't a good match at all. <laughs> Anyways, um, the very next night, Undertaker has a match. All of a sudden, you see Mankind just come out after the match and just start attacking him. And like no one knows why Mankind's attacking him. He's just attacking him. He puts a mandible close. It's the first my scene. Uh, someone put someone's fingers in their mouth on purpose and you see this white stuff coming out of his mouth you see the, the fingers covered with the two before Mr. Sacco Mankind had Mick Foley had a, the, the fingers slip with with it covering two fingers so it's going down the gut first time I ever heard the word gullet because Vince Man was so over the top it's going down the gullet oh my god it's going down the gullet um, and I remember it was the very first time I saw Undertaker and I said, what the, f what, what's, it's the first time you see him in danger. And to me, Undertaker has always been, even, even, even Undertaker said this on uh, the One More Round with Steve Austin podcast. He says he barely lost, which he did. So for me, he was like Tom Brady. He was like the Patriots. He was like Chicago Bulls. Like, I think the first few years I couldn't really appreciate him because he never lost. 
or never had or you never had conclusion to his matches. He lost so rarely that for me it was kind of like okay, he's going to win. For me, I just expected him going into those matches to win. I never saw him vulnerable. Even though he lost a casket match to Yokozuna, it took 20 efforts, 20 MFers to like put him in there and even then you see, you put you see the big uh Titantron and he just disappears like some magical stuff. And you're like, what the, what is it going to take to kill this guy? You know, I think when he first came on the scene, I was like, what is this? What is this dude? Then you, you see him defeat Hulk Hogan. I was like, holy crap. At that time, anyone who defeated Hulk Hogan had my attention. I was like, yeah, you have my attention, dude. But then he lost it like two days later or something like that. And then he was kind of like just back to the Undertaker thing, the way they were booking him, right? And But this was, this was the first time. And it, and it was cool because they showed the effects of his fight with Diesel. Like, it, like, he didn't just beat Diesel. Like, they went through a war. You know? Like, like a lot of people forget that fight. That I think Diesel was his first WrestleMania opponent. I'm trying to think. No, he was. Diesel, to me, was his first WrestleMania opponent that put him in danger. That actually hurt him. Even the match with Jake Roberts, it didn't feel like that. It was That felt more psychological. But now you're playing mind games with mind games, you know. Diesel was the first one to give him a beating back. I believe Undertaker had jackknife a couple times in that match. I, would need to, I haven't watched it in years. I don't need to watch that match again. But um, D, Undertaker, the entire time he's fighting that that squash match, you see him kind of staggering around. Like, he's feeling the effects from the night before, which made it even, which was a nice little cherry on top. It was really cool. But then man kind of just, and he knocks him out. And now no one knows what to say. And the crowds weren't what they would become as far as like getting crazy pots, but that crowd was was like, what, what the what the hell is this, you know? And and it just made mankind a super heel, and no one, Undertaker has not put anyone over the way he's put Mick Foley over. And I wish that in interviews I would have seen, um, and maybe he has. I haven't seen everything. I've seen only a couple of things. But I wish they would have gone to more of whose idea was putting over Mick Foley. Because we all know Mick Foley was a JR guy. And Vince McMahon did not want to sign Mick Foley. And he had no plans for Mick Foley. So what made them put him over so strong? Was it like, hey, we're going to put this guy over so strong, he can't make an excuse and we're just going to cut him after one year? Like, what is the deal with that? You know what I'm saying? And so it was the first time I seen him in peril and I was like, huh. I, I, it was it was a weird thing, as my fandom then was like, should, I guess I have to become an Undertaker fan now, because I don't know who this guy is. He's putting him in danger, and for some reason, this is gonna be bad news for Undertaker for a long time. So me even being that young was saying that to myself. I was like, just something's, I don't know. I immediately went from like not being much of a fan to, I I felt sympathy, because because it, it just it came out of nowhere. You know, and and in that same night, ironically, you had Shawn Michaels and Diesel and Shawn Michaels celebration for winning the WWE championship was cut off. And Diesel just took the belt and boom, hit Shawn with it so hard. He did like a 360 in the air. I was a huge Shawn fan. I was like, what the what's happening tonight? And why is it happening? Like as a fan, my mind was an overload. They just gave me too much. And it was only an hour show. That was so beautiful that that show was done. So beautifully, and because because that I when that show went off the air, 
I remember looking at my mom saying to her, what just, what just happened? And my mom was never interested in wrestling. And she was like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, I, later on, I remember she said to me, she was like, yeah, are you okay? I was like, no, what, just, what did they just do? Like, why, why, like, I was, it was just super weird. So in the next, in the coming, oncoming weeks, incoming weeks, he just, he, it's, it's attack after attack after attack. And at the May pay-per-view, which was Beware Dog, which they had to do twice, because the first Beware Dog, which was which was on a Sunday night, they had a power outage. And I think by the time the lights came back on, they were in the main event with Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog. And then when they had the second go around for on Tuesday, it was a casket match: Undertaker versus Goldust for the Intercontinental Championship. And my faith was tasted, and my like my fandom was tested again because I was like, "Yo, Goldust!" Like, I seriously considered one of these matches from uh, Goldust's first Intercontinental title run for to be, to be the match of the month because I thought the story, it was a two-week story, and I thought it was tremendous. I still, I may use that for January, um, but I remember Goldust had just won the Intercontinental Championship back off of some weird circumstances. Now, now that I think about it, I may do that for January. Um, but now he's in the casket match with the Undertaker, and it was really weird because I was like, Undertaker hasn't done anything to earn an Intercontinental title shot. Like, I was like, it was just like, and once again, I'm not at, the, at that time. I wasn't thinking about booking or anything, but it was just for me. It was just weird to go from Diesel. He gets beat up by this guy. He's not taking care of his business because Mankind wasn't beating him up every week, but it was like every other week he was beating him up. And he was coming out of the blue, attacking him, and it was just super weird how he went from that. And then Goldust was just, and Goldust was so ahead of its time as a character, and Goldust is just mind bleeping everybody, right? He's just mind bleeping everybody. He the very next month he would kiss Go, uh, Ahmed Johnson to, to us, resuscitate him. Which made Ahmed Johnson go wild. And apparently, according to Ahmed Johnson, that wasn't supposed to happen. But like at that time, Goldust was just messing with everybody. He was playing mind games with everybody. That was just his character, messing with everybody, right? So I was like, so in that sense, it made sense because now Goldust is like, "Come follow me," you know, and not really understanding the consequences. So you go to that match. Archer is about to win. He opens the casket. Mankind sticks his the man with claw on him and drags him into. Um, the casket, the casket closes, Goldust retains their Intercontinental title. Um, and so th- this goes on, this goes on. Finally, they have their first match at King of the Ring, 96. Match was nothing really special. It was a good, it was a good first sh- Oh, by the way, let me rewind. The reason I knew that was then it was Cactus Jack is because, like, it was a shot that Kevin Dunn and the camera crew put on him. And you could finally see because everything at that time, even though he wasn't hiding his face when he was in in the arena, they were still taped shows. So they kind of controlled the narrative. And I was and I didn't have any internet at the time. We didn't own a computer, you know, or anything anything like that. Um, so they finally, as he sticks his his metal claw in there, I remember they just just. I would need to look at the, the the network version to see if they still have it. But it was one... I saw it live. So it was like one good shot. And I looked. And I was like, oh, that's Cactus. I was like, okay, that's a, this is a cool gimmick. And then that's when I realized, I said, okay, that made me even more like uh, just split. Because I love Cactus Jack. 
you know, so I, I, I was a part of the tape trading scene, as you guys know. And I remember getting that tape from when Mankind lost his ear. Him and Vader beat the hell out of each other. Whew, let's, let's do that story for another time. But, um, I was like, oh, that's Cactus. So let's fast forward. 1996, King of the Ring, they finally have their first one-on-one match. And this is after now a couple of months, because, you know, King of the Ring's in, Jan- in, in June. This is after a couple of months of just being beat down. Now the Undertaker's had enough. Now he's got to rest in peace. Mankind beats him clean. He puts a Mambo call on him and beats him clean. It was unheard of at the time. It was unheard of. And at that point, if April 1st, 96, was me saying, there's something different about this, King of the Rain 96 was me saying, one, this character is here to stay. Two, what does Undertaker do now? Like, what do you do now? Like, because no one would have, I would have, if I was a kid, let's say if I was a billionaire, I would bet a billion dollars Undertaker was winning that match. But Mankind, not only did he Mankind win, Mankind didn't have any allies at that time. Mankind wasn't involved in any other storyline besides messing with the Undertaker. And next thing you know, boom. He beats him clean. I was stunned. So, of course, me being now, like, me, like, just being just, like, completely just, like, What's going to happen next? I was like, I, I, I just assumed that, you know, nothing but bad was going to happen for the Undertaker because now he's lost. I want to say, and obviously I haven't watched every single Undertaker match over and over again since t- before doing this. I would probably, I would dare say that was up until that point because he debuted in, what, 90? That had to be his first clean loss. He didn't. He didn't lose a WWE Championship clean. Undertaker very. Undertaker for his entire 30-year career, very rarely lost clean. His last two clean losses were obviously at the at with against Roman and against Brock. But those three, and there's was, there was another one I had in my mind. I can't remember though. And Austin at SummerSlam 98. Those are the few times. That's only four times. And I know it was way more. I know. So don't kill me. But I would I would put money on it. And he didn't lose clean more than 10 times. I was going to say 20. But if we're talking about things that are in continuity. You have to remember now, folks. WWE does not count most of the, most of the house shows as like records like they count them as records when it fits the storyline like when edge defeated jeff Jarrett for the intercontinental title that counts because he lost the title but normally they don't count house shows they don't count those shows over in england and all this other stuff unless it fits the narrative so i'm going for wwe logic not what you and i were considered normal logic like you lose you lose um i would dare say i don't think and once again i'm, I'm okay with being wrong on that but it's not i said i was gonna go 20 so if it makes you feel comfortable between ten and twenty, but he has not lost that. That's in, in, for thirty years to not lose clean that that many times. That's not a bad thing. Shawn Michaels beat him what three times? Never beat him clean. Never. Bret Hart beat him. Never clean. 
You know, so, I mean, for him to lose just outright and this person just beat him. And then on top of that, he got knocked out. The Mamba Claw took him out. It was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a sight. It was shocking. It was, all right, we have another player in this game. Um, little did we know how much of a player we had. Little did we know how much, how, how much this, and I guarantee you, Vince McMahon, in my opinion, let's say if hypothetically Vince McMahon sat back and was like, I'm going to give him this opportunity, put him over. He's going to fail me. It's fine. Then I'll release him. I guarantee you he didn't know what he was going to spark. To me, Mankind has some of the greatest moments in wrestling history just by some of the people he was able to beat. If you look at the people, he's, he's pinned Austin. He's pinned The Rock. He's pinned Triple H. He's pinned The Undertaker. But he was one of the first, if not the first, to pin The Undertaker clean or beat The Undertaker clean. So let's move forward. They're still feuding. And now it's gotten personal because now Undertaker knows this is a this guy's a real threat. And now they they just beat each other down, dude. The next pay-per-view, which was International Incident, they were supposed to have a match, but they went all around the entire arena just beating the hell out of each other. And it was more of Undertaker beating Mankind up. The match never got started. So now then there's a battle royal on a Monday Night Raw. And matter of fact, now that I have the network, now that I brought that up, I'm going to watch that now. I really wanted to watch this Battle Royal so much because the winner of the Battle Royal will get a championship match, right? Gold doesn't end up winning the Battle Royal. But that's not it. The reason why I wanted to watch this Battle Royal so bad is because it was a list of who's who. The only people I knew weren't going to win was Undertaker and Mankind because I knew they would cancel each other out. But you had Psycho Sid in that thing. You had Goldison in there. You had Ahmed Johnson. You had Steve. You had some huge names at that time. And it was like, who, who are they going to make win to then eventually face Shawn Michaels? I was like, I was really curious. Never saw it. I've actually never seen it. I knew Goldust won because I used to get the WWE magazine. And I, that's, how, that's how I know who won. won. Now I get the chance to watch this on network. It's cool. Anyways, um, in that battle royal, there is a spot where Mankind's in the corner. And Undertaker is just going back and forth, giving him right hands. It was so fast, I legitimately thought, and the only reason I know this is because they have a video package before the match at SummerSlam. But he's doing it, right? And I remember I ended up watching uh, that scene again, and I thought they sped his his punches up, the Undertaker's punches up. No, he's actually hitting him that fast. He was going, oh my God, so fast, just nailing Mankind. He finally let him nail each other. So now it's a boiler room brawl. Mankind says he's been in his world. He's, he's not impressed with the Undertaker's world. Come to his world. So a little backstory behind the match. They recorded that match. They recorded the bo- boiler room part, uh, I think, like, the night before SummerSlam. And then as they got to the, the whole point was, to, once you grab the urn, you win the match, right? So Paul Bear is waiting in the ring with the urn. So the boiler room, bro, like, Undertaker opens the door. He's walking around looking for Mankind. Mankind comes from behind, begins attacking him. So I guess this was actually the first cinematic match, if you th- or one of the first cinematic matches, if you actually think about it, because this was pre-recorded. Um, and then the other part had to be live because they had to go to the ring, obviously. Um, but they 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 pretty much beat each other down. Mankind's bleeding from the arm. Um, and once again, and Undertaker just he gave so much to Nick Foley. And it makes me wonder, and this is a whole other topic, 
But it makes me wonder if he would have given even 3% to Diamond Dallas Page when they had their feud, if things would have been different for DDP. But he gave so much to Mankind, you you never feel like Undertaker was safe. And even when he was beating Mankind down, you just knew Undertaker had, had to watch his back. So, there, so um, they open the door. It's now live. They're, they're fighting through the hallways but uh, in the back and all this other stuff. And so, you, you, to me, it's not a classic match. To me, it's a very interesting match. If you go back and see the hit, if you see just how much he gave mankind. But the ending was the thing that then made me become a full-fledged art. Now, not only do I, ha- I have sympathy for The Undertaker, I am an Undertaker fan. Because now this, 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 these things just didn't happen to this character. Like, from April 1st to SummerSlam, those were regular wrestling arcs that never happened to The Undertaker. You just didn't see it. And if you saw it, it was always some theatrics afterwards, and you were kind of like, huh, all right. That's cool, I guess. And you moved on. So anyways, they're fighting, they're fighting, they get to the arena, now the place is going, going the crowd's picking up, I believe this was in Cleveland. Crowd's kind of picking up because now they actually see these guys wrestling. It's one thing to watch TVs. It's another thing to see now see these guys live. So they're beating each other up, and like now they get to the ring, and mankind takes one of the worst bumps. They expose the concrete. They remove the blue mats. They're both on the apron. Undertaker and him are fighting on the apron. Finally, Undertaker grabs them and he grabs the ropes and he slings Mankind back and Mankind falls right on his back on the concrete. Oh my God. When you see Mick Foley walk now, you're like, that is probably from that bump and that bump and that bump. Anyways, Undertaker gets in the ring. He's staggering. He's tired. He gets on one knee. He's doing the thing to, uh, to the, the little praise or whatever to Paul Bear. And, um,. By the way, on commentary is, I believe, Mr. Perfect, Jim Ross, and Vince McMahon. So now, Undertaker's like saying, give me the urn. And all you see is Paul Bear turning the iron sideways. He, 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 he holds the iron up, turns it sideways, it was right side up, and cracks Undertaker on top of the head. Now everyone's in freaking shock. Now it's like, what, what's going on? Why is Paul Bear doing this? Then all of a sudden, Mankind comes in. He hands the urn to Mankind. And now you, that that bond between Paul Bear and Ticker is over. That six-year managerial relationship is over. He just cost man he just cost Undertaker the match to his at now, which is now his greatest rival. Um the very end, there was some the- theatrics, you know, some druids came down and carried Undertaker off. And next time you saw Undertaker, he no longer had the purple gloves. He had an all-black suit on. And this became the evolution of the Undertaker, in my opinion. Because even at this time, he still wore the same outfit, even though he changed from gray gloves and gray boots to purple. He had purple, the purple on his boots and the purple gloves. Um, but to me, this, this really began the evolution of the Undertaker. And so next time we saw him was a couple months later, actually. Um, but it was so shocking. And that, what? That five-month span? You just see, they literally did everything to him in five months that you hadn't seen in six years. 
it was very insight. It was very interesting to see. I didn't know how to take it. And they ended up fighting a lot more. <laughs> As we know, the Hell in a Cell, uh, Paul Bear being up in the, one of his own steel cages and in their matches. And they fought many more times. But to me, that first five months, five months of the feud made a superstar, made a Hall of Famer, and made a legend. At the same time, it made a Hall of Famer. It made a legend finally look like what the hell do I do? And if you like, it looked vulnerable. And, and on top of that, this five months led to the next essentially two years of hell for the Undertaker. Even though he eventually won the WWE Championship, now you have him being blackmailed by Paul Bearer with the threat of Kane less than a year later. So in that two-year run, you have one. You have the greatest Hell in a Cell match. You have some of the greatest matches of all time. However, that is probably some of the worst times for the character of the Undertaker because he had to endure so much. Because now he doesn't just have the threat of mankind. He's the threat of his younger brother, Kane. So, that is the match of the month this month. Undertaker of Mankind, SummerSlam, 1996, Boiler Room Brawl, first ever Boiler Room Brawl, first ever cinematic match, should we think about it, you know, without the theatrics, so, anyways, check that out, hope you guys liked this week, I will see you tomorrow for the regularly scheduled podcast, I'm out.